0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Going For Two podcast. This is a podcast where, you know, experience, eh, maybe just not our cup of tea, like we're just kind of winging it. <laughs> and uh, you know, we've, we've got maybe someone with a little more expertise on the sport of basketball with us today. Ben, why don't you tell us about our guest?
1: Thanks Logan, yeah, so for today's guest, we've got one of our old friends from college, uh, we've got Selvin Valletta coming on the show today. He, uh, One of the reasons we brought him on is because when Logan and I don't know a ton about a topic, we like to outsource that information and bring on somebody who does know more about the topic than we do. And we're going to be discussing uh, the alternative routes to the NBA that are being taken by some of these big name players coming out of high school today. Uh, but before we get into that, Selwyn, what's going on, man? It's good to see you.
2: Good to see you all too, man. How have y'all been? Pretty good.
1: Pretty good. A little um, stir-crazy, but you know, yeah, I think everybody's man. gone
0: stir-crazy right now. You watched yeah. Tiger King yet?
2: I did not, no. no. Logan, what about you?
0: I did. I watched everything except nice. for the last new episode, so I'm, okay. I'm up to date.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Selwyn, with you know, med school and the whole, like, Becoming a doctor, slash being a doctor, thing—you got a little bit more important things to do than watch Tiger King. So I completely understand that. So, yeah,
2: Sel- it's been it's been different. Selvin, can you can
0: you give us in our audience, you know, just a a list of your uh, elaborate uh, accomplishments and qualifications to speak on on today's episode?
2: Uh, I mean, <laughs> I've been you know played basketball for a while, you know, for a couple of probably since like seventh grade, played the AU circuit, got to play with a lot of cool players, got to play against a lot of NBA pros, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Moutier, some of those guys who are in the Dallas area. I got to play with Jordan Mickey, who's with the Celtics, or was a couple of years ago. So I've, I've gotten to see uh, kind of the different talent that's out there and gotten to see like the options that they have. So maybe I can provide some insight on that. That's awesome.
0: So you said you played against Emmanuel Moutier. Do you remember? Oh. Do you remember a guy on? Did you play against his high school team or his AAU team?
2: Yeah, high school team. So Isaiah Austin was there too. Yeah. Um, do you remember
0: a kid named Zach Gormley?
2: No, I don't. Yeah, I
0: probably wouldn't. He didn't play a whole lot. I don't think.
2: But I went to yeah.
0: I went to junior high with Zach Gormley. He went to Van, and then he and his family moved to the Dallas area, and ended okay. up playing on that team.
2: Yeah, that was a pretty good team. They got some length. They got some athleticism. A couple pros on there, so it wasn't too fun to play against them.
0: That is a a great um, great person to to start our conversation with, right, Ben Emmanuel Moutier. It is. It is. That's a perfect
1: segue. I appreciate that, Sylvan. I don't yeah, know if man. you got that in mind, but you know, we it's a good team we're working on right now. Um, yeah. So as I said, the topic that we wanted to to pick your brain about is just this kind of phenomena that's happening within the uh, the pipeline the NBA. Initially, um, you know, after 2005, the one and done rule was instituted, and people had to go through uh, college basketball to get into the NBA. And I have been a big fan of that process. Uh, being up in Duke territory recently yeah. and seeing all the one and dones through Zion and Mark Bagley going through, it's it's been a lot of fun. But a lot of people. Um, top high school players are transitioning to different methods for getting into the NBA. Some of the recent big names, um, such as Jalen green, the number one high school player mm. uh, in his class, um, deciding to, uh, go a different route. LaMelo ball, RJ Hampton, both playing in Australia, um, mm. RJ Hampton playing for the New Zealand breakers. And, you know, even as you were talking about Emmanuel Medier and Brandon Jennings had, um, you know had their own start overseas and yeah. so we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this a little bit more but i just kind of want to start this dialogue and get your general input on this phenomena what's happening hear your take on it and if we want to whittle it down to a more specific question um i want to know why do you think this is becoming attractive um to all of these players
2: yeah i mean i think it's the reason it's becoming an attractive thing it's money like it, it all comes down to money a lot of these guys come from you know lower socioeconomic statuses have struggles with family whether they need a house a car food whatever it may be and going to college doesn't really provide any money for them with the current collegiate rules that they have right now um i think that's one of the big motivating factors and also it's you know you go one year one year in college um let's say you get hurt you know there's a there's an example uh, harry giles who went to duke number one recruiter of high school joins duke towards his ACL now is fighting as a second round pick, making, you know, a lot less money than what he could have been if he came straight out of high school. So there's, there's, you know, risk and benefits to it. But for them, I think it comes down to what can get me to the NBA faster and, and these new avenues are seem to be pretty good options.
1: Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate you reminding me about the Harry Giles yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, that was tough to watch. Um, yeah. You know, I think you made a great point about the money because you know, obviously the NCAA is not going to be able to provide money, but I'm interested to hear your take as well on the, the NCAA board of governors coming out and saying, Hey, we're going to push for this compensation due to likeness of NCAA players. Do you think that's going to have any change and maybe draw some people back into college basketball or not?
2: Yeah, I think it will. I think, um, because at the end of the day, I think the best competition is, you know, in the NCAA yeah. when you're playing in those big six conferences or abroad. And so if you can do that and stay in the U.S. as opposed to having to move your whole life for one year, I think that players will like want to go through that route. Uh, but I don't know. A, I think the NCAA said it's going to be up to the states, right? It's not like a nationwide thing. It's going to be up to the state that that player plays in.
1: That, I'm not sure. I'll defer to, to you on that. Um, but yeah, I know it's, I know my understanding is that it's in progress, but hasn't been finalized yet. Yeah, is that your understanding?
2: Yeah, my, that's my understanding. But I know that like the, the state of California has said like players can make money off of their own likeness now if they're mm-hmm. college basketball or college players. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to be a state by state thing. Um, and so if, we might see like, you know, all the best players go to one state and go to those schools just because that's where they're going to make the money. Um, so, yeah, that, that might be interesting to see what happens with that. So I, yeah. I heard a theory that this
0: uh, being able to make money off your likeness may benefit uh, some of the smaller schools more than your your big-time programs because, you know, there's one, there's the theory that they're already making money under the table.
2: Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, there's and no then doubt.
0: so what they were saying is, you know, is, is a player that, is recruited to be a backup at Kentucky going to go to a second tier program where they're going to be the star in, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to use Abilene as an example. It's not the greatest example, but if that player can go to Abilene and get endorsed by the biggest car dealership, whereas if they go to Kentucky and are a backup, they're not going to make any money. Right. Does that benefit the smaller programs more than the bigger programs?
2: I think it'll benefit them. Absolutely. But at, at the end of the day, like, yeah, the money's important, but these kids, the NBA, like this has been their goal from when they started playing basketball. And so they do go to a smaller school. Does that hinder their draft stock? Does that make them less attractive because they play less competition? Um, and so it, it, it might help the small schools, um, but it really has to, it's going to come down to what the player wants.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good take. And, and especially your, your, point about money because you know they can only make so much of their the NCAA getting mm. money from you know their likeness. But if they are going overseas, I think the G League salary was at one point it was one twenty five K and now yeah. I it went up to half a million. Yeah, and so and then, yeah, and then overseas it's is about you can oh, make upwards a bunch more. Well.
2: Yeah. So
1: yeah. So that if you're looking at it from a pure money perspective, that's gonna be a lot more enticing to go any route yeah. other than the college basketball, to be quite honest.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why college basketball threw out this idea now is because they're scared, like, yo, we're yeah. going to lose all our star players. Yeah. Is college basketball just going to become those four-year guys? Is that is that what it's going to become? And then they lose a bunch of money there. And so they're, they're definitely trying to adapt. Uh, but with the NBA and that new, you know, G League development thing that they've thrown out there, like, that's really going to hinder, I think, NCAA basketball, and which is sad because, you know, everyone loves March Madness. Everyone loves watching the college rivalries that go on. and so um I hope that you know students can or, or athletes still choose the NCAA route but at the end of the day they're going to choose what's best for them
1: yeah for sure I mean you've already lost LaMelo Ball, mm-hmm. Jalen Green from participating in March yep. Madness you know some of the players that would be the most fun to watch Absolutely. to overseas play and it's it is going to hinder college basketball um so one of the kind of when I was thinking about this episode one of the routes that I was thinking I was going back in my fourth, is is this a good route for for players to mm-hmm. to take and I was thinking about it kind of in two different scenarios so one if you are a big name player like a um, like a Jalen green or lamella ball or something like that coming out of high school the path it seems like the path to the NBA is actually better to to play in one of these alternative leagues than it is to go into college basketball because a you get money and b you may not have that lack of load management you may be able to not play all the games you know Mm -hmm. but with zion the spotlight's always on you you've always Mm -hmm. got to play all the games and what happens well he ended up getting hurt for a little bit at duke yeah but if you are someone who is not a huge name and you're you're trying to make a name for yourself and you're trying to get in the nba perhaps maybe college basketball is the route for you instead of going overseas. would you say that's pretty accurate
2: yeah, I would agree. I mean, look at uh, let's just take these years. the The freshman this year, like James Wiseman, he didn't have to go to Memphis for a year. There's a reason yeah. that he left early. It's because he doesn't want to be there. He's ready out of high school to go ahead and the NBA. And one rule that I thought would be nice is get rid of the one and done. But if you do go to college, you have to stay at least two years, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of development the development can happen in those two years. I'm you know I'm in Lubbock right now, and Jarrett Culver came out as a sophomore. Was a fifth or sixth pick, something like that, by the Timberwolves mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. His freshman year, he was he was a three star recruit. He wasn't really well known. He stayed at Tech. He worked hard. He worked in the summer. Got back, and he took him to the finals. You know, and and now that increases draft stock. Could he have done that overseas or in the G League? I don't think so. And you so know. yeah, I, I, de- I definitely think that. Your, your thought process of if you're a good player that needs improvement, you go NCAA because you get strength and conditioning coaches. You get coaches that have done it before and have improved players. But if you're a guy like James Wiseman or or Jalen Green or LaMelo Ball, who's really ready to go, just go make some money, go play against actual competition, you know, really good adult competition and get ready for the NBA.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that was a really good point. Um, you know, you mentioned the one and done rule uh you know they they have a quite a few years so they'll, they'll be able to revisit that but what do you think mm-hmm. is the future for that rule
2: i think it's gonna go I, I really think they're gonna really allow players if you're ready for the nba i mean look at the the type of players that have come out just straight out of high speed you got kobe you got kevin garnett tracy mcgrady even like or late on like dwight howard monta ellis those kind of players were ready from day one let them go from day one and let them have longer careers let's them you know Develop in the NBA as well, so I think it'll be a rule that will be changed, maybe like a college football type rule, mm-hmm. two years or three years, just kind of depending on what they want. Um, NCAA at the end of the day wants to keep these players because that's what makes them money. Yeah, yeah. So that's
0: that's a good point. I definitely like what you said about changing it to to not just one and done, but two or or potentially three. I believe that's what college baseball does: is mm-hmm. you can get drafted right out of high school go to the minors, or if you go to college, you got to stay three seasons. So you're not, you're not eligible to be drafted again until you're finished your junior season, your third season on the, on the team. So, um, two questions, one and most important is, is this developmental league just a step in the direction of eliminating the one and done? And part two is it all orchestrated by LeBron James trying to get his son in the league at the same time as he is?
2: <laughs> I'll answer that second part. I don't think. I don't think. He's got it. <laughs> I think he's got bigger things to to fry right now than dealing with a 15 year old kid. He's gonna let him, you know, go through high school and let him do his thing. Um, the first question, the first, for for that first question, I mean, I who knows? Is is this the NBA kind of stepping in and saying, "Yo, we want these players early on," or is this? The NCAA saying, hey, NBA, you need to do something so we don't lose these kids overseas. Hmm. Um, it's hard to know who's kind of driving this. It kind of seems like the NBA is. They want to get the G League to be more popular um, because when you think of the minor leagues in baseball, you think, oh, there's some good talent there. When you think about the G League in basketball and the NBA, you think, oh, it's just players who could not make it, you know? And so yeah. maybe by adding these high-profile players, they're going to try to increase the popularity of the G League to where people actually go to G League games, and, and the NBA can rely on kind of two leagues as they're going on. So that was a question that I heard
0: raised on another podcast, is, is what's the NBA's angle with this? How are they going to make money in the G League?
2: I mean, people show up. If you tell me Jalen Green's playing in Lubbock and he's in a G League team, guess what? I'll be there at most home games because it's the type of player that you'll get to see once in a lifetime. Like he's a once in a lifetime generational player and getting to say, yeah, I got to see him play for a whole year. Like that's, you know, that's going to bring in revenue. That's going to bring in tickets. That's going to bring in people popularity uh, for the G League. And so I think it, that, that would be their angle is let's try to get as many people here in the G League and smaller towns because most G League teams are in the the outskirts of the major NBA teams. And so maybe that's a way for them to get more of the country involved as well. So like imagine having a G league team in Seattle that has, you know, a Jalen green or in the mm-hmm. Vegas or in, in towns that really crave that basketball. I think it could be a good way that the NBA can reach out to those cities.
1: So, so, um, you know, we're talking about all these different paths to the NBA mm-hmm. and so far we've named, Going overseas, like RJ Hampton and Lamelo Ball have, um, playing in the uh, G League, um, some players are even opting to just take a year off and train. Yep. Um, there are there are reports saying that you know some players would have really benefited from that. So up here, uh, Trevon Duvall yep. was a great. He was a really good point guard, and he was the number one point guard coming out of high school, mm-hmm. um, coming out of class. But he didn't have a jump shot, and that really yep. showed. While he was at Duke, and that um, pushed him back in the draft. And so some people say, you know, if he went and trained for a year and developed his jump shot and then entered the draft, he would have been much higher. So, given those three scenarios, you know, taking off a year in training, um, playing overseas, or, um, or just going ahead and playing in the G League. Which one of those three do you feel like would benefit the player most from a player development perspective?
2: I think it's really just a player to player thing. Uh, okay. I think those guys who are doing the one year and just training, a lot of the times it's you and a trainer, and you kind of lose the the mind like the the mind for basketball the way it looks on five on five on a court when you're just doing one on one with a with a trainer you're not really practicing how a player moves how to you know open angles for passes and open angles for shooting and use a screen and all that kind of stuff you don't get that when you're training um so I think like your example's good Trayvon Duvall he he had he can do the pick and roll he had good handles he could he was athletic he could do everything except shoot he could have benefited from that you know Someone like Lamella Ball who has all the tools but just kind of needs to play a little more could definitely benefit from actually just playing against good players Um, because he played in high school and he just played against people that weren't good Mm -hmm. Um, and so he could just shoot from half court and then be fine but when he's in a league to where he needs to be an actual player and really play the game of basketball, it's all about repetition there and getting as many reps as you can to really refine what he's good at and know what he's bad at. And so it just kind of depends on the player by player thing. And maybe the G league provides the best of both worlds. You know, you got NBA caliber trainers and NBA caliber coaches as well as, you know, NBA caliber talent, if we get all these high prospects in there. So the G league may actually be the better option. We just don't know what that's going to look like.
1: Yeah. I think that's a very good point. Um, so
2: you mentioned
0: Lamelo and, and the route that he took, um, you know, he was on the path originally to, yeah. to probably follow his brother's footsteps if it wasn't for his uh, – the middle ball brother mm-hmm. getting suspended. Um, but he ends up playing in – first, was it Lithuania? Yeah. and And yeah. then going to Australia where they then bought the team he was yeah. playing for. So, pretty crazy. And it looks like he's going to end up being top three pick.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. No,
0: no doubt. So, is that – is that just because he is that talented or did the route he took end up being the right one for him?
2: No, 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 no. I think, I think he's an anomaly. I mean, the kid's six, nine. Um, he can shoot, he can dribble, he can, you know, pass. He, he's, he's, he's different. He's not the normal college basketball player, the normal high school basketball player. Um, I don't think he benefited from, from, all his international tours. I mean, Lithuania was not a good place for him. He was 15, 16. He was playing against grown men. He was getting pushed around. He really took some time to adapt to that kind of game. And I think if he would have stayed the high school route, he could have, you know, grown uh, gradually, playing against competition that maybe wasn't as good for him but really would have helped him during his growth. Because he went from, like, 6'2 to 6'7, from, like, 16 to 17 years old. Like, he really – his height really increased during that time. Um, and I, I don't know, I think he's, he's definitely the anomaly there. But I think his time in Australia was way better because he has fully grown, he put some muscle on, mm-hmm. and he was really learning how to play the game and really mastering the game at that point. Whereas in Lithuania, he was just kind of going run and gun and he's going to go try to shoot a layup or shoot a half-court shot. You know, that's kind of the hit, hit what he was looking for there. So
0: so if we never knew the name LeVar Ball, and those three boys, both, all three played for UCLA, that would have benefited him more?
2: Absolutely. I think absolutely. I mean, UCLA would have been a powerhouse back, you know, like it was in the 70s. And um, they would have been, you know, you know the, the NCAA would have made, you know, teams play like UCLA against Duke and UCLA Michigan State. In those games, you could definitely gain some experience. Um, and I think college basketball would have been good for him. Uh, But Australia seemed to work out.
1: Selvin, I'm interested to hear your take on, you know, you mentioned playing with and against some of the stars in college basketball recently, um, and corruption has been a headline that has plagued the NCAA for the past four or five years. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a deterrent for players when they are thinking, you know, should I go the college basketball route or should I go overseas? but I don't really want to get involved in all this corruption this time. Do you think players are even thinking about that?
2: No, I don't think they're, they're thinking about the corruption. I think I'm not going to name the player, but I know a player who was a top 10 recruit in the, some point in the 2010s ish class who had, you know, all the big schools. I'm talking all the big schools um, and corruption came into play where he received some money, some gifts from, from boosters or donors, whatever it may be. And he went to a different school, a much smaller school, where instead of him being one and done, which was his plan, he stayed for four years, never made it to the NBA, and kind of that story. And so definitely the corruption thing, I don't think they think about the negative aspects. They think about, yo, I'm about to make 60K, they're going to buy me an Escalade, Mm -hmm. and I'm about to be the big man on campus. Like, who wouldn't want that at that age, exactly, you know, at that age but it just doesn't seem to work out sometimes because some of these big high school stars kind of fizzle out in college. Is it because they didn't work hard? Is it because it's a, it's a, you know, combination of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That all makes sense. So we've captured your views on all basically every angle of this so far. Mm -hmm. Um, So the last question that I'll ask you related specifically to this topic is what do you, what do you think is the future of all this playing overseas going to australia new zealand instead of going to duke and kentucky what do, how do you see this panning out
2: i really think if Jalen green um and someone else joined him i can't remember what other high school recruit joined him for the g league thing but i think if it works out for them i think it's going to be the streamline i think all these top players are going to go there um and and really just develop make some money get your name out there in the nba Um, and I think that's going to be the route. I think some players will go the traditional college basketball route because it's a cool thing, like being the man on campus, being the guy who wins a NCAA title. Like, that may be some of those guys' goals, you know, along with getting to the NBA. So it's going to be a player-by-player thing. I, I think the international feel might actually go down in the future just because the G League option is much better. You get to make as much money. You get to play about the same competition and you get to stay in America, which is a huge yeah. thing because people don't, like, moving to a different country like Lithuania or, you know, a couple of people move to China. Like, that's a complete different culture. It, it's a hard move. It's going to be a year thing. You just don't really feel at home. And so I think players will probably lean towards the G League. Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. You answered my next question about which players would prefer to go, whether overseas or staying in the G League. And that, um uh, that's definitely something that I agree with being able to say close to home is big yeah. for a lot of these guys. I know.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: so, you know, we, we, br- we don't branch out a whole lot uh, on this podcast. We usually stick to the NFL and football, uh-huh. uh, but this has been a rare occasion where we have, uh, although if March Madness happened, I know we would be talking about college yeah, basketball. For sure. Um, so we're going to go ahead and shift back to our natural stance. And we've got, we've got two questions Related to the NFL, which I'll pass over to Logan um, in a second. Good. But these are actually going to be questions that we're going to ask every guest going forward on the podcast, so we'll be able to um, hear every guest's opinion on this. Yeah.
0: So, Sylvan, give me your opinion on who the greatest quarterback of all time is and why.
2: Um, might have to go, to Tom. I mean, the dude's been consistent for 20 years. He came from a six-round pick to becoming, you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever. He's, I mean, he had a couple years with Randy Moss. He had a couple years with some good receivers, some good tight ends, but he's never had the offensive cast like those of Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers or any of those other top players that they consider. Um, he's definitely the best player I've watched ever you know I didn't get to watch Montana I didn't get to watch Elway I didn't get to watch these types of players um so I can't really put a lot of input in it I mean he's got what five Super Bowls he's up there with Drew Brees and all the records they're probably going to leapfrog each other throughout the whole year coming up that hopefully happens um and so I think the clear choice would be Tom Brady okay okay
0: good answer good answer and second question in your opinion, are wins a quarterback stat? Uh,
2: It's a classic Troy Aikman (laughs) debate, I see. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. You know, in college I had a – we had a couple Cowboy friends, uh, people that were uh, big Cowboy fans, and they said Troy Aikman was the best ever. And you look at stats, I think stats is a big, big thing. And Mm -hmm. the classic – joke that we had was he has the same stats as Mark Brunel. Like, if you look at the stats, side-by-side, side, A and B, both are the same except for Troy Aikman played with the best running back ever, possibly the best offensive line ever, and a pretty darn good defense with one of the best corners ever. So, like, did he really do much? I don't know. You just hand it off and make one or two key passes, and they won Super Bowls, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think winning's important, obviously, Uh, Because if a quarterback doesn't win, you know, if you don't have a Super Bowl, you can't really be in the the discussion, in my opinion. Um, Okay. So So, um,
0: I want to jump back into basketball because, Selvin, you you played some with Ben and I. I know you and I played on the same rec league team at least one year. And um, I'm sure you played with Ben as well. I don't think, Ben, you weren't on the team with me and Selvin, were you? Was I don't know. I don't think so. I, I do not remember. But, Selvin, give us your best uh, analysis of Ben and I's game.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> oh goodness. Be nice. Uh,
0: uh,
2: ben, definitely some bully ball in there. Definitely in his days with being yeah. jacked and playing football, like it was all about the toughness. It was about it's not a foul unless you're bleeding. So that's kind of my analysis there. Kind of, yep. kind of a bowling ball down the lane and you better watch out. Is, yeah, that's is right. That I've of of
0: basketball on the court or dorm on your knees basketball. Oh, oh, that's, that's definitely in both. Dorm. He was
2: he was a rhino down there when we we're playing that, in the dorm for sure.
1: That was great, listeners. Just to fill you in, we had a, a game where we had one of those small Nerf basketball hoops. Put them in our dorm room, and it was full contact basketball. Uh, <laughs> dribbling was was not required, uh, and it was just. Four adult grown men going at it, and it was yep. it was intense. It was really intense.
2: There's a lot of a lot of broken cabinets, a lot of broken shelves. <laughs> yeah, shells, yeah. A lot I'm of sorry, spilled, dr- spilled drinks. Everything. Yeah, yeah, really. Oh man. And Logan, huh? Always had that head fake. Always had that little hesitation True. move. Going right, gonna fade. Try to knock it down.
0: All right, all right.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's been a lot of fun, man. It's been it's great having guests on the show that can come and talk about the Illawar or Warhawks, and then switch and talk to Mark Brunel. So hey. it's it's been it's been fun. We've really appreciated you coming on the show, making the time for us. Um, got a lot of great insight from this round. Um, it you really helped us branch out a little bit from what we normally talk about. So we definitely appreciate that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and plug our Twitter page in for our listeners. You can follow us at, at going for two pod. That's at going for two pod. And we just launched an Instagram page, so you can also follow that. That's uh, going for two underscore pod, going for two underscore pod. Uh, if you want to subscribe to our episode mailing list, you can do so at goingfor2pod19 at gmail.com. Shoot us your email and we'll put you on the list. Uh, Selvin, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, man.
2: Yeah, for sure, guys. Have a good one.
1: Me too, man. Take care.